probably did hate Mayo, and we thought it was hate at the time, because these guys are trying to take away our dreams. The Football Pod, live. Thursday, June 2nd, in Castle Bar. Check out otbsports.com forward slash events, and get your tickets now. To our top story of today, history made in Turkey for the Irish boxing team. Previously, Michael Conlon, Kelly Harrington, Katie Taylor in the World Gold Medal Club for Irish Boxing. Well, two more have joined, Lisa O'Rourke and also Amy Broadhurst, who had a golden hour in Istanbul for Ireland earlier today. Delighted to say the boxing journalist Gavin Casey is with us to have a look back. Gavin, how are you getting on? I'm absolutely over the moon, Will. How are you? Yeah, I'm great. It was fantastic. I mean, the excitement kind of rolled one into another because we were so impressed, firstly, by Broadhurst's performance uh, to win on a unanimous decision and to be so comfortable across her final. And then O'Rourke steps between the ropes a little bit later on. And to me, it was a split decision 4-1, but also looked like she won, in my opinion, the first and the third round. We're meant to be nervous about finals. We're meant to have this nervy wait for the judges at the end. But yet both the Irish boxers boxed remarkably well in their respective finals. They truly did. I actually felt as though both of them won every round in both fights. And that's not me doing it through green tinted goggles or anything. I just think objectively, at least from my vantage point, albeit it was on a YouTube link, uh, there was no doubt about either verdict, which is a nice place to be in. We've been on the wrong end plenty of times of, uh, let's call them contentious decisions. And I think the opponents uh, in this case from Mozambique and Lisa Rook's final and from Algeria, in Amy Broaders had absolutely zero complaints about either decision. And like you mentioned, it was a golden hour. Uh, I'm not sure how old you are, Will, but like I remember doing a piece with Wayne McCullough last year and he was speaking about being at the Barcelona Olympics. He had just won silver and he was sitting alongside his conqueror in the final from Cuba, Joel Casamayor, in a drug testing room, watching Michael Carruth win gold uh, on a on a small screen in the corner of the room, and I just put myself in Amy Broadhurst's shoes actually, as Lisa Rourke was fighting in that final. I hope Amy got to see it live while she was there. But I, I remember when Wayne was telling me at that time, I thought, what must that have been like for people watching at home to have had such excitement, two back to back fights, massive medal fights, and we experienced it today. And it was, I mean, I'm not going to go as far as to say it eclipsed. Barcelona, because that will have personal significance to many people listening, I'm sure. Mm. But it was uh, certainly an hour in which both of the Irish protagonists actually came out superior and just a, a marvellous day, not only for Irish boxing, but for Irish sport. I, I kind of fear that maybe in the afterglow of Kelly Harrington's Olympic gold and more recently that magnificent like New York where Katie Taylor beat Amanda Serrano, that this might be somewhat lost or the magnitude of the significance of it might be lost, but it shouldn't be. This is a, a legendary day for Irish sport, not just boxing. And uh, it was, yeah, week changing, month changing to watch it like. Yeah, they were reunited on the podium uh, just a few minutes ago. Liam Burton, who's uh, coaching with Panama currently out there, got a picture uh, with both Broadhurst and O'Rourke with their gold medals after they had been presented. So they were able to stay around for each other's uh, medal presentation too, which is fantastic to see. Uh, when it comes to the achievement here, did this come under the radar ever so slightly? Because the focus before the Women's World Championships was that Kelly Harrington had an injury and she wasn't going to go and would have been a huge hope for Ireland. And while there was an expectation that this was a really strong team that had been put together, would the team have been thinking about two gold medals before they flew out? No, absolutely not. I mean, the Irish boxing journalist, Joe O'Neill, to whom I would often defer, 
mentioned before the tournament that he would have been over the moon really with a bronze medal. So to come away with two goals is not only unprecedented, but totally unexpected. And just to give some context as well as to where these two fighters were coming from, like Amy Broadhurst is a supremely talented boxer and has been for several years. She has 19 Irish titles across all age grades. She actually has a senior English title as well. She qualifies through her father. And she's won five European medals across age grades as well, including one European bronze as a senior. So it's not as though this is a bolt from the blue type of victory from her, but the fact of the matter is that she has operated in the shadows of Kelly Harrington for the past four or five years. And I remember even, I think it was 2018, ahead of their senior final, the last time they actually met in the ring, I kind of, I was going to say inadvertently stoked a bit of a war of words between them around that time. It was, was there genuine animosity, Gavin, between them at the time? Yeah, I think so. And I'm not saying I created it, but I mm. wanted to kind of unlock it a little bit because I thought it would be interesting. And not just me, by the way, but Irish boxing fans. And we've, uh, you know, a few journalists that would speak daily about these kinds of things. It would raise the profile of both of them and raise the profile of the elite and build a bit of a rivalry going forward. Now, as it transpired, Kelly had won that senior final and she went on to become a world champion. So Amy at the time mentioned that she was going to have to take a step back and almost pave the path for Kelly towards Tokyo. And she would have to wait in the wings for another Olympic cycle. Kelly didn't take kindly to that because she felt, well, what are you stepping back from? Like, you're not doing me any favors. I already beat you. That's the reason why we're in the situation we're in. They've since buried the hatchet and Amy was over in Tokyo helping the team prepare for the Olympics. More recently, actually, incidentally, she was over in Connecticut as well, helping Katie Taylor prepare for another Southpaw and Amanda Serrano. But yeah, there was a little bit of animosity, which blew over, but it's just to add some, to kind of illustrate the magnitude again of the achievement by Amy Broaders. She's fighting up at a weight category that wouldn't be her natural weight at all. Mm. Her natural weight would be the same as Kelly's, which is, which is 60 kg. But because Kelly is very much standing in the way and ruling the world at that weight division, Amy fought up at 63 kg. You can see even the dimensions between her and Imam Khalif, her uh, opponent in today's final. Now, Khalif actually is a natural lightweight herself, but Amy's not big for that weight division. She, she was she giving up, I think, was it like 13 centimeters in reach, give or take, which is a remarkable amount to give away. Absolutely. And she'd actually be like just her dimensions. She'd be, you know, fairly small, actually, for a lightweight. But the way she was able to calculate her way in and close the gap, use her footwork, find a home for her left hand. And it did take, you know, 90 seconds or so in the first round before she kind of clocked what she needed to do against Khalif. And for her to do it up at that weight, win World Championship gold, it's just unbelievable. And to, I, I suppose to look forward briefly, if we dare, we now have the reigning Olympic champion at lightweight, the reigning world champion at light welterweight, vying for the same Olympic spot in Paris on the same Irish team. It's just unprecedented and uh, it's going to be a fun few years. Sorry, I say they're vying for the same Olympic spot. That's provided that Amy does feel the, Need the to urge to, to challenge Kelly at this yeah. point. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Uh, 63 isn't an Olympic weight class, so she can either go for that 60 spot and compete with Kelly or maybe look to 66. I personally think she's way too small for 66 mm -hmm. and I wouldn't explore that. Yeah, that is a difficulty. I mean, the jump between those six kilos is, is huge. Even when you said she's quite small at 63, add three more kilos onto it, you're coming up against much more physically imposing boxers at 66, which would make it very different, difficult to qualify. So then it effectively sets up, as you've just said, a two-year cycle now where you're going to have two world-class boxers going for one spot for Paris in 2024 with all the expectation around this being Kelly Harrington's last Olympic Games too. Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, that's provided that Broadhurst does want to do that and she'll I'm sure when the dust settles have her say on that I'm not sure this time there'll be any animosity I think there's a real respect between them already and I'm sure 
Kelly tuning in today, her respect for Amy will have only grown. It, on paper, it could be this fabulous rivalry, and you'd hope actually that it would get the platform it deserves if they do meet in national finals down the line with Olympic spots or even Olympic qualification spots as in after qualifiers up for grabs. You know, let's have it on national TV. Maybe it's a conversation for another day. But just as well, like just to give a little bit of context to the, the size of Lisa Rourke's achievement as well. This is her story is uh, almost directly in contrast to Amy's in a way, in the sense that Amy Broadhurst has been waiting in the wings, as I say, for several years. Lisa Rourke has not even won a national elite title yet, and now she's an elite world champion. And remarkably, back in October, she actually lost a national senior final to a woman called Evelyn Icaro. They rematched in the national under 22 final in February. And Lisa O'Rourke reversed that. So she got the nod then to go off to the European under-22s only six, seven weeks ago. She wins that. And you think, wow, what a breakout talent. Like, this is one for the future. She could be a real star. And then seven weeks later, she's champion of the world. It's just an unbelievable turn of events and speed of development from her. And by the way, she also plays in midfield for Roscommon. And her sister is a former European champion and Olympic Olympian, boxer yeah. as well. So pretty decent family there yeah yeah it's not bad that's decent stock uh, coming out of Castlereagh in County Roscommon <laughs> uh, the other thing we were talking about the finances on this there's a big prize pot with just the uh, money coming out of this is prize money but also when it comes to funding over the rest of this Olympic cycle this is possibly a life changing day for both of them yeah 100% so this would have been the first time Will where there was prize money at the end of uh, world championships so both Lisa and Amy will have earned 86,000 euro uh, for winning gold. They'd already incrementally increased the prize fund by or prize money by uh, guaranteeing bronze and guaranteeing silver. They take home the top prize of 86k, which is massive for any uh, amateur quote-unquote athletes who are preparing for an Olympics or even just trying to live day by day as a, a full-time athlete. Plus, as you mentioned then, because they finished on the podium, this was actually sealed as soon as they both won their quarterfinals, they'll have earned the top funding from Sport Ireland next year. So in 2023, they'll both be on 40 grand grants, which again will help them a huge amount. It gives them obviously a, a bit of an advantage over the chasing pack, but that's what you get. That's the reward for actually going and doing it and winning medals. So in terms of the power cycle, yeah, as you say, potentially life-changing in the sense that it lifts such of the weight off of their shoulders, that kind of weekly, monthly weight of having to actually have cash to live while also training ostensibly for free. Um, to have, you know, to have earned over 120,000 euro, which will last them however long it lasts, mm. is an absolute game changer for both of their young careers. You mentioned the TV coverage, and I remember watching Worlds, I remember watching Katie, Kelly, uh, Joe Ward when he was in the World Final, Conlon. They were all on TV at the time. Um, this has been quite a departure not to have them on TV this time around, particularly when it could have been organised at short notice. Joe O'Neill, we mentioned earlier, had tweeted to say he was in Spain. He was all set to watch on YouTube. YouTube was then geo-blocked because uh, Spanish national television had decided to show the finals earlier this afternoon, and he had to find a different means to watch it. Was it an opportunity missed here, given that we had such a good hour of Irish sport that it would have been a very easy programme to actually put in the TV to say, we've got two girls coming through the ropes, potentially could win gold medals, and you would have had a captive Irish audience watching history being made just a couple of hours ago? Not only do I think it was an opportunity missed, I actually find it embarrassing, to be honest, that, un like, I would say almost undoubtedly, both of them will be on the Late Late Show or whatever in the next couple of weeks and they'll be serenaded and celebrated quite justifiably but 
let's actually watch their fights. Let's give people an opportunity to see their fights. Like this is one of the great days of Irish sport. And unless you were near a phone or a laptop or, you know, and like you need to be relatively tech savvy, I'd imagine, to find a link and whatever. I have a lot of elder, elderly people or older people than myself getting onto me asking, where can I watch it? Where can I watch it? Mm. Whereas if it's on RTE or on uh, terrestrial television, it's just a case of turning on your TV. And I think it's, it's yeah, I, I find it farcical, actually, to be honest, that you go into your first women's world championships since the leading light in Irish amateur boxing won Olympic gold. And bearing in mind, Kelly Harrington was meant to fight in this tournament. And still, it was never going to be on TV. Uh, I find that really strange, frankly. I think maybe boxing sometimes suffers for not necessarily just being a minority sport, but I don't like I appreciate it's not everybody's cup of tea. Maybe it's a victim of its own success to a degree, and some of this is taken for granted, but it really shouldn't be. Like we saw Kelly Harrington become literally a national hero on national television last summer. And today, in her absence, two more women put their hands up and joined the pantheon of Irish sporting greats. And I was watching it on a six-inch screen. Uh, it just doesn't really make sense to me. The opportunity lost, as you put it, but I actually think it's, it's worse than that. I, I think it's pretty disgraceful, to be honest. Yeah, don't get me wrong. I mean, the episode of The Simpsons may well have been very good that it was competing with time, but uh, well, I think, yeah, it, it feels like a mistake. And it feels like an awful pity because there's a few sports, Gavin, that Ireland are really good at. And as you say, it can be a victim of your own success to a certain extent, but there was a reignition of excitement about boxing after everything that happened with Kelly Harrington. The next Olympics are going to creep around really quickly because it's a three-year rather than four-year cycle. I think a lot of Irish people would have liked to have had the opportunity to sit down in front of terrestrial TV at five o'clock this evening and be able to sit down and watch these two fights because like, the office here is not reflective. Again, a bit like you, we were all sitting around with our phones out and our laptops out and watching it. And naturally, that's going to happen with sports nerds. But to try and catch people who are outside of that group to catch the general public who might just tune in for Ireland doing well, this could have been a case of making household names out of both O'Rourke and Broadhurst today. Yeah, well, how many times would you say we've had moments in Irish sport where you actually look back upon them and, and you know exactly where you were or you remember the emotion that you felt? Like I think of Kelly Harrington, I think of uh, Paul O'Donovan and Fintan McCarthy, obviously recently, but even Katie Taylor, for older people than myself, it'd be USA 94, Italian 90, if they weren't over there, that sort of sense of national occasion and that collective sense of release and relief when an Irish person gets over the line on the world stage. And these people go on to become sporting heroes. And the reason why I flagged at the top of the show that this may be lost compared to, say, Kelly or even Katie's fight, just because of the magnitude of that. I know it wasn't on terrestrial TV, but Katie is maybe a conversation outside of this. It just, um, it rankles, it rankles with me, it rankles with a lot of uh, Irish boxing fans. And I think, as you say, Irish sports fans who actually were very much tuned in and knew exactly when the fighters were going to be walking to the ring today and knew where to watch it. Like, it's only a tiny portion of the population that actually would have been aware that it was happening on YouTube or that they could watch it. And uh, yeah, it's um, it's hard to put the finger on why why that the, why this is the case. I suppose, uh, as you mentioned, maybe that repeated The Simpsons just uh, was was just a little bit more important on this occasion. I, I failed to see how, but um, yeah, like it's it's I think it's an issue that should be discussed more and addressed in advance of the Olympics. Like it's a joke if we're just rolling around every four years. Oh, let's celebrate the boxers. Don't they do well every time? Like, well, how about actually? 
platforming them in the four years in advance of an Olympics instead of just celebrating with them when they do something good on that stage. Like I include the the national finals in that too, by the way. I know TJ Carr have done a really good job in recent years yeah. of putting extensive coverage out of the national finals, but it's not that long ago that we got to know boxers like, say, Joe Ward going up against Kenny Egan and it was on terrestrial mm. TV and the excitement around that. And into that cycle as we got ready for the London Olympics, we actually got to know a lot of these boxers as household names because pretty much everyone sat down on the Friday night of the nationals and watched the boxing. That hasn't been the case. And professional Irish boxers haven't been boxing on TV for quite some time. Now, that's complex and there's 100 million things around it. But at the same time, we haven't seen a huge amount of boxing on Irish TV over the last decade. No, we haven't. As you say, the professional boxing conversation is slightly different in the sense that there isn't a concrete schedule. Uh, fights are announced at, say, two, three months notice. It's obviously incredibly expensive, by the way, to put on these broadcasts, particularly if you're going abroad and so on. Plus the fact that professional boxers have exclusive deals usually with the UK broadcaster, with an American broadcaster. Now, there is a chance, for example, that if Katie Taylor was to fight in Croke Park against Amanda Serrano in October, as has been mooted, there may be some state broadcast involvement with that. We don't know yet, but it's been done. Like the broadcast of the zone has done that with fighters in other countries where they almost, um, like, it, it's almost a collaborative broadcast, if you like. But with the amateur stuff, we saw a lot of it on TV sort of up as far as 2016. And I'd say it's no coincidence, really, that the cutoff point was 2016 and the debacle that was Rio. And maybe it's understandable to a degree that given the cost involved and given the hassle involved for a broadcaster that they might not necessarily want to go near boxing in the immediate aftermath of that. But like, as much as Irish boxing remains and will remain for some time an absolute mess behind the scenes, we've also had two Olympic medals since then. We've had multiple European championship medals, uh, lo like loads of major international medals basically in the six years since and this women's world championships was on the calendar for quite some time in advance of it so yeah it's um it, it, i find it so disappointing They're, like to my mind as a boxing fan like forget about journalism or, or my job like i just would have loved for people to be tuning in and actually to appreciate what these two women did but also not just today like having an awareness of their journeys to this point. And the national finals were on TG Carr, I think, four years ago when Amy Broadhurst was beaten by Kelly Harrington and, and broke into floods of tears afterwards in her dismay. And like, if you tuned in then, maybe you're still aware of her now, but there's been sort of no linear platforming of these athletes to this point. Lisa work is different, obviously. She's newer on the mm -hmm. scene, but just the, that awareness of the human story behind it is important rather than watching a YouTube clip or, or a live YouTube broadcast for nine minutes with a British commentator who's, who's vaguely aware of the fighters and did a fine job, but there's just no background story to it, you know, and when you, again, I take it back to how many world champions have we had in Ireland in, in across all sports? Like, it's probably innumerable, but they still feel like hen's teeth in the grander picture of things. So it felt like a day that, yeah, could have been a lot bigger. And it's just as well we get to talk about them now, I suppose. We'll try and do them yeah. to Jews here. No, for sure. Um, I was just thinking about Katie Taylor too. You obviously mentioned about it being mooted, the idea that Crow Park might be moving forward. And Jack Chambers was on News Talk earlier on the hard shoulder. Uh, he used the phrase, initial engagements have taken place about you know, Crow Park potentially being a venue for Serrano versus Taylor too. 
I get the feeling there is a momentum towards this, quite aside from the idea of politicians coming on and saying that the police have been engaged and there's conversations at government level. But just listen to Eddie Hearn, listen to Katie Taylor, even when she was interviewed before the Canelo fight. There seems to be this real feeling that they want to bring this to Crow Park now and that the conditions might be there for it to actually happen. I think the wheels are definitely in motion. And I would say that there is a collective will for it to happen. I'd say some people behind the scenes are a little bit more enthusiastic about it than others. I would say that if Eddie Hearn is fully on board with it now, it would have taken a little bit of convincing actually for him to do it. I got the impression that maybe he felt Dublin might still be a little bit raw in the wake of the US sanctions on Daniel Kinhan and all of the other complications that you guys have covered on the show in the past with regards to actually putting on a, a big boxing event in Dublin. He just maybe got the sense, like it was almost like he got cold feet because I was in New York for mm. Taylor's fight with Serrano and it was Eddie actually who was championing it, championing it at every turn. Usually over the last four or five years when a journalist asks him, what about Ireland? What about Dublin? When's that going to happen? He kind of acquiesces and he tells you what you want to hear. And it's a sound bite and it keeps it just about alive as a pipe dream. But this time it was he who was initiating the conversation about it. And then in the aftermath of the fight, when that suddenly felt real, he seemed to pull back from it. So he was down in Vegas himself at the Canelo thing. He said that October and Croker was a non-runner or a non-starter or something along those lines, trying to get into his head and think like, why would that be the case? Maybe he greatly overestimates how cold it is in Ireland. Like, I always think, okay, outdoor event, there are risks with weather, but we packed the Aviva for November Rugby Internationals, for Six Nations games, for football qualifiers that might be scheduled at various colder times of the year. So I would say that Somebody has been working on him behind the scenes, probably Brian Peters and a few people involved with Taylor. She's a very small team and they do pull in the same direction. But it is, again, a kind of a, a collaboration and there are a lot of conversations. So I know that for sure Katie Taylor is absolutely desperate for it to happen. And I know that for sure the vast majority of her team are really intent on it happening. I'd say there's still a, a good bit of legwork to do just because of the size of the event. Forgetting about the fact that it's boxing, actually, just the size of it as a national event. Um, but for sure, there's a bit of momentum behind it. I'm really interested to see how it plays out over the next few weeks because four or five years, it was, in my head, an impossibility. And when yeah. you spoke to people behind the scenes, they would have told you, look, realistically, never. Suddenly now, it feels real again. And I think, just to finish on it, this is the time to do it. Taylor's stock is never going to be higher as a professional boxer. There's never going to be more interest in a professional boxing career than there is after that night in Madison Square Garden. And if you're looking to fill Crow Park, you have to do it while the iron is hot. It's pretty hot right now, I would say. Yeah, and I think just to finish on this, two other factors here. Taylor knows she's into the final stretch of her career. Like, at some point, she's going to make a decision and retire. I'm sure DeZone would like her to box on for a little bit longer, uh, given what we saw against uh, Serrano in the fight in Madison Square Garden. But also, with the MTK fighters, some of those are going to go into different management now. If you're trying to fill out an undercard, there might well be boxers available to fight who may not have been able to go on that card, say, if this had been mooted eight months ago. Maybe the stars might just be aligning at the right time. I actually think they'll still avoid any fighter who was affiliated with MTK or assigned to them on a management contract because there are enough fighters in Ireland who weren't and equally on Eddie Hearn's matron stable or in his stable that aren't. And that can you can almost match them up against each other. You think of, say... 
the likes of Eric Donovan, Ray Moylet, Jason Quigley, guys who've been on your show before, Niall Kennedy, all of these guys, there are probably equivalents or uh, suitable fighters to match them against in Eddie's stable. All of those guys, by the way, very good fighters, but Eddie would love for some of his prospects to take them as scalps. So you, you have a couple of handy enough matches to be made there. Equally, maybe the McKenna brothers, Monaghan, who were signed to McKennessy. Sure, you could put in a phone call there if Eddie and Mick on speaking terms and so on. I think the so like the reason we were told it couldn't happen for so long was that you needed MTK fighters to fill out an undercard. That was a bit of a red herring, or, or like insofar as you could have done it without them. The problem for Matru, and it would have been a problem for any of the major promoters in the world as well, top ranked gold or whoever, is that MTK had become influential in the sport to the point that they'd actually interwoven themselves into the fabric of it and that if you were to get on their wrong side or if you were to get on the wrong side of Daniel Kinnahan put in a boxing context they can make life very hard for you and make business harder for you than it needed to be so it was always the case that it just wasn't really worth the hassle as well as the security concerns of course but in terms of it, it, like it wasn't impossible it was just unfeasible for a long time i think it's possible now even without some of the fighters that were assigned to mtk look, the, argument the main would be, barrier is gone like even if some of the boxers aren't that high profile that would be on the undercard realistically and we're talking about this in the news round a little bit earlier katie taylor is what sells the tickets here this if that if crow park is going to fill it'll be people who want to go see katie taylor fight maybe for the only time in irish soil as a professional yeah 100 percent. and like some of the guys i listed there by the way would easily sell a thousand fifteen hundred tickets and that will quickly add to it but for sure katie would be the main draw the concern there i suppose from the promotion side of things would be are people then only going to tune into the main event on the zone and to be honest that's a concern that probably falls flat a little bit to my mind in the sense that quite often when we see these massive boxing events say uh, an anthony joshua card at wembley or even tyson fury against Gillian white which granted wasn't eddie hearns show the undercard is pretty paltry. It wouldn't even turn my head, and, and I follow the sport. So I think uh, the undercard should really be a bit of an afterthought. It is more so about Katie Taylor. And and speaking to people as well, it's it's actually about creating a moment of, of like a national moment, like a national sporting celebration, not just a fight, not just a prize fight, and not even just Katie Taylor's homecoming necessarily, but an event at which you'll see Michael D. Higgins sitting in the stands, an event with music, an event with color, family tickets, that sort of thing. So the undercard should really be as important as we're even making it out to be. I think it's about Katie Taylor. And I also think, to be fair, it's about Amanda Serrano as well. I'm not sure you could do it against another opponent. They uh, created magic together, and that's going to be very, very difficult to rediscover against anybody else. You've got to a ready-made fight there and a, a ready-made product that we know is going to enthrall people and anybody who's tuned into the fight live or has watched it since or even followed the reaction to it knows what they're getting if they're going to that fight whereas if you put somebody else in with their in there with taylor it's a little bit more of a an honest and uncertainty so no i'd agree um, it's a perfect dance partner and the perfect fight we want to see again after being the best fight this year gavin thanks a million for joining us on the show cheers will anytime